lot of people don't even realize that, you know, we have such a position. Yeah, there's a lot of positions with this agency that, you know, who knew that yeah. you had, you know. I learn stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, people come, oh, I do this. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know we had that. Today I'm talking to Stephen Abel. I think he's expressing a sentiment shared by a lot of people in the agency. Most of my guests wind up on the show because I didn't know we had people who do their job, and I think it's interesting. Many of these roles make sense when you think about it, and his job's no different. I'm your host, Abel Trevino, and you're listening to Standing Post. Good morning. I'm here today with Stephen Abel from our special services division. And actually, we've talked a couple times on email, but I actually just met you this morning. So it's nice to meet you. Can you can you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Stephen Abel. Uh, I work for special services division. I'm a protective armored specialist, uh, basically an automotive technician. Uh, we uh, maintain the fleet of armored, uh, protective armored vehicles and you know, do any kind of repairs, uh, body par- repairs or mechanical repairs as needed uh, on the vehicles. Okay. And are you originally from the D.C. area, or did you move out here for this position? Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Virginia, so didn't have to move or anything to accept the position. So I um, live, you know, a little further south, so it's a little bit of a drive, but it's not too bad. I know when we talk to people in the uniform division, a lot of them, they get a lot of applicants who don't realize you have to be in the D.C. area for these positions, and they get to the end of the, the process, and they're like, I, I don't want to move to D.C. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sometimes it's, a, it's an expensive thing if you live somewhere <laughs> that's a little more rural and it's not as expensive, but um, yeah, so that'd be a big change if you had to move, and luckily I was already here, so I knew, knew what it was about. Yeah. What were you doing before you joined the Secret Service? So I was an automotive technician in a dealership uh, for about 16 years, and then I applied for <clears throat> this job and got, got accepted. So, How did you hear about this? Uh, it was kind of a funny story. It was one of the technicians that I worked with was always looking for a government position, and he was always on USA Jobs, and he just ran across it one day, and he, uh, he mentioned it, and I was like, yeah, I, you know, I don't know about that. So he got hired and uh, worked there for a little bit, realized that uh, it was a pretty good position and he called me and said hey uh, they're looking to hire another person so I uh, got my uh, resume together and put in for it and here we are that's awesome yeah how long was the application process for you the application process uh, well you know most mechanics don't have resumes together we just you know usually apply at a dealer or shop and they either hire you or they don't so I had to get a resume together and I uh, applied for that, and then took about eight months. It was, was fairly quick. Uh, here. It's usually eight to a year and a half or so, so uh, I thought eight months was pretty good. Yeah, I know when I came on, it took me – they gave me my offer in July, and they started the background investigation, and it was completed in November, and the HR lady basically had said, like, that's one of the fastest background checks yeah. I've ever seen. Here, don't, don't apply during the uh, campaign season because <laughs> everyone's so busy they don't have time to, to check on – 
you know, all the background stuff, so it takes a lot longer. And it's really funny you say that because they send out agents to our, you know, uh, references houses. And my best friend called me up and he said, for the first time ever, there's a Secret Service agent in my living room talking to my wife, and they asked me not to be in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of funny. So coming from the public sector to the government, were there any additional training that you had to undergo or any additional certifications? Training is basically, we have to go to the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, and then after that, you come back and you go to a mixed basic class at a Beltsville Training Center. And then uh, after that, you do the driver's training. So once you pass, you know, all the law enforcement stuff, then you get to do the driver training. It's pretty short. I th- wish the driver training was a little longer because it's kind of fun. But Oh, I didn't realize that you went through Flexi. So you're actually, you know, certified to carry. Yes. Yeah. So we, uh, we carry and we have a badge and a gun just like, uh, you know, everyone else. It just says technician on it instead of agent so we're there you know because we drive in the motorcade uh, we drive in the secure package so we have to be trained just like they do for driving and uh, we have to be ready you know to repair something if something gets damaged or broken during the during the drive and you do both the repair and the driving yes that's the full package of you know vehicle from i mean sure can you tell me a little bit about what your day is like and the kind of day-to-day for you so a typical day just in D.C., you know, we come in the morning and uh, we have a uh, supervisory technician that gets all the work orders ready. He'll pass out to each technician. Uh, there is uh, 13 of us currently. Uh, he'll pass out the work orders for any repairs or any maintenance that need to be done. And then if you're on a trip, if you're scheduled to go on a trip, you'll get your vehicles. Usually they like to do two days before the trip uh, leaves. Uh, you can take them, get all your cars in and check them over, make sure they're good to go. And everything's, you know, working properly. And if not, you'll have, you know, a little bit of time to repair whatever. If you find something that's not working or whatever. Uh, so that's a typical day in D.C. And then, of course, you know, if you have a trip, you have to get prepared for that and, and uh, pack up and load the, uh, the car plane. And then we take all the vehicles by aircraft to wherever the visit's going to be at. So we're flying all around the world on uh, cargo planes. I know one of the vehicles that you're taking care of is the Beast. How stressful is it to work on... What's basically the transport and the protection for the most powerful person on earth? Yeah, you try not to think about it. You just try to pretend like it's a normal car. Obviously, it's not. But, um, yeah, it can be a little stressful sometimes, uh, especially if the motorcade is really long. You know, the more you drive something, the more chances that uh, something could happen, a failure or, you know, an accident or anything, you know. So, yeah, it can be stressful sometimes. And then, you know, they're going to look at you during the motorcade. If uh, there is a problem, they're going to look at you to see, uh, you know, <clears throat> what they should do, whether they should stop or whether they should continue on or we transfer to a different vehicle. Can we make it to the next site? So you have to take all that into consideration while you're driving in the motorcade. You could get called out, and, you know, hey, we got this weird sound or we have, a, you know, a light that came on in the dash. You know, is it safe to continue to drive? And you, you're the one that has to make that call. That's a lot of responsibility. And I understand that the president travels quite a bit, and it sounds like someone from SSD, yourself, or someone from your team is going to be traveling on that trip with them. How often are you on the road? So when it's really busy, you're you're definitely out every week. Average, you're usually out maybe twice a month uh, for an overnight. Maybe it's a couple of nights if he's if he's going to be RONing somewhere. You remaining overnight, you'll uh, you'll have to stay there too. So you can be out for a few days or maybe even a week, uh, depending. A lot of the vacation trips or things like that, you end up being gone for, you know, 10 or 12 days sometimes. Um, but just average, I'd say twice a month, you know, you're out. 
And are there any stories that stick out about traveling? We've had some uh, pretty good trips sometimes. Uh, the Daytona trip was pretty good. We got to you know drive on the Daytona Speedway and get to do some fun stuff, meet meet some uh, some interesting people. You know, out there, you meet, uh, obviously, we met a lot of NASCAR people when we were there. Uh, been on the Jay Leno show, so I've met, you know, Jay Leno before and actually uh, got on the show with him. So uh, he came out and filmed the show at our, our shop, you know, and told, told about the position and that kind of thing. So it was kind of neat. I got to drive him on the show, so it was pretty good time to meet someone. And, you know, he just cracking jokes the whole time, so it was it was pretty fun. That is neat. I know he was at our um, training facility I think last month or the month before and I didn't make that trip out there but some of our photographers did and they came back with like hey check out all these photos of us and Jay Leno and yeah it's a lot of fun it's a lot of neat to see how they put shows together and, yeah. and film everything so and you can see the behind the scenes and the setup and everything is pretty fun it's that little peak that most people don't ever really get to see is it hard trying to maintain a work-life balance between all this travel and these long days, especially running up to election season and whatnot? Yeah, especially during election season because, you, yeah, you're pretty much not home. Maybe for a night or two here and there, you know, you're, you go out for a three-city run and you come back and you may be home in your bed for one night and then you're right back out again for another three-city stop. During the normal year, it's not, not too bad. You kind of know like a week or two in advance where you're going to go so you can – you know, plan things before and after, you know, get the grass mowed, you know, that kind of thing before you uh, you end up having to go for the, for the trip. And, you know, occasionally sometimes we don't get back when they tell us we're going to get back. So, you know, some stuff doesn't get done when it should. But, uh, yeah, you just got to try and balance it out to get it done before. And, you know, hopefully it's something that can wait and do it, you know, when you get back. But. Oh, no, I completely understand what you're saying. I know, you know, for a lot of trips that we take, everything's very regimented and structured, for, you know, on the CMR, the communication side of things. So sure. there isn't a lot of, you know, you're accidentally going to be somewhere for two more nights. Yeah. Occasionally, you know, those trips pop up where it's, hey, someone, a foreign dignitary, you know, passed away or something, and now he's leaving, you know, tomorrow. So you go home, pack a bag, and be, you know, be back, be ready to go, you know, within a few hours. So, you know, you don't have a lot of time to plan. Outside of the agency, do you do you work on cars? Do you have your own car collection, or is it you know like the cobbler's kids never have shoes kind of situation? Yeah, I have a few cars. Um, I have a I have a '82 Bronco that I restored. It's a frame off restoration. I haven't exactly finished it, but um, it's always a work in progress. And I have a little hot rod, a Mustang that I've souped up a little bit, and uh, also have a drag car that I'm trying to build, but. Again, another thing that's been kind of put on the back burner, so didn't done much. But uh, yeah, I I have a kind of a fleet of cars, so I have to do a lot of my own maintenance. So I really have a lot of time for you know anybody else's cars. I'll try to help a friend out occasionally, but really uh, between traveling and working and keeping my own stuff running, I don't have a lot of free time to work on you know friends' cars. But you know, if it's an emergency or you really need something, I'll I'll try to help you out if I can. Yeah. I know I wrench on my own cars as well, but mostly on the motorcycle, which I'm better at motorcycle maintenance and wrenching than I am on, you know, an engine. Yeah, everything's a little more exposed on a motorcycle, I guess. It's easier, to, yeah. a little bit easier to get to stuff, so I can see that being a, a little more fun at least, you know, not having to contort yourself around something and get into a car. <laughs> There's not a lot of space in some of those engine caps. But then again, you look at the old Broncos and you got plenty of space on the side. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one I have has got plenty, like, the engine looks teeny in there because there's so much room around everything. Do you have a favorite of the three? Oh, the Mustang's probably the favorite. Yeah. 
Um, it makes some pretty good power, so it's a lot of fun to drive. Do you have any advice for someone who maybe they're a mechanic or an auto technician now and they're looking to expand their career, they're thinking about retirement and they know that a government position would be a good role? Like, what advice would you give them? How would they go about following in your footsteps? Well, you have to uh, obviously maintain a clean background. That's the most important thing. Uh, stay away from, you know, the drugs. And keep your financial situation good because they're not going to want to hire you if you have any issues with that. And then as far as mechanic stuff is, just, you know, try to be your best. Do learn as much as you can and uh, try to, you know, work for, you usually look for someone that has at least two to three years experience. So you got to get in a good shop where you can get some good experience and uh, that way you know, you know what you're doing when they hire you. So it's hard to hire mechanics because, you know, basically going by your word, you know, you, you can have certifications and stuff, but, you know, that's just a test. Someone knows how to pass a test. They can they can obviously uh, get get through that part of it, and uh, if you can actually fix something, that that helps. So yeah, just it's all you, uh, just try your best to uh, be able to fix things and uh, know how to do it, and uh, keep your record clean. I guess it is really hard for a mechanic to you know bring in a client's car to a job interview and say I repaired this. Right. Yeah. I mean, we can call the boss and talk to them a little bit, and hopefully they give good feedback. But if you know. They're a friend or something. They just want to help them out and get a job, or they want to get rid of them on their own. They might just say, "Oh yeah, he's great. Come get him." You know. So yeah, it's it's hard sometimes. Uh, we we've done pretty well though. We've got some pretty good guys. Okay. Should a young mechanic start looking for additional certifications, or uh, you, you have to have at least I think three to five certifications. I mean, that's what they want to see: either manufacturer's training or ASE certifications. So you can uh, get either one of those and. We'll, we'll accept that as uh, that's the only thing we really have to go by is is whether you're you know certified. So it's kind of hard to tell unless someone knows you know if you know a person, you say oh yeah my friend works at the dealership or the shop, and I know he's a good mechanic so we'll hire him you know, but a lot of, a lot of times we don't have that many friends that we can reference so you have to just go by the paperwork and hope, hopefully the guy's as good as he says he is. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. I really do appreciate you taking time to be on our show. Special thanks to Stephen for stopping by and talking cars and whatnot with me. Secret Service vehicles are definitely in the right hands with him under the hood. At least they're in much better hands than if it were me under the hood. For standing post in the United States Secret Service, I'm Abel Trevino. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay vigilant. If I'm jumping in the truck, he'll be back shortly. If he's jumping on the bike, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, Yeah, if I'm in something I want to drive, then I'll (laughs) might might be a while. If I'm just in a regular, the regular everyday car, yeah, I'll just go get it and come back. Yeah.